Hello, I'm Tyler, and you're listening to Crime Time, where we dig up some of the most gruesome cases, and today we are talking about the case of Brandon Duvall. Warning, the following story contains graphic material, including descriptions of murder and rape, which some readers may find disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. Brandeline Rose Duvall was a small, shy, and happy 14-year-old middle school student who was born on July 28, 1982 in Denver, Colorado. To call her a complete angel would be inaccurate. She, like many youths, was involved in some illegal activities and used some drugs like alcohol, cocaine, and marijuana. But Brandy, as her friends called her, was in general a kind, loving young girl who got good grades, did sports, and hung out with other girls. She was looking bright. She was an honor roll student and recently brought home her first rose from a boy. But all aspirations and dreams would come to a violent, horrifying end on the night of May 30th, 1997. In and around Denver, there lurks collections of ruthless gangs and who argue over turf, weapons, and drugs. One of the most notorious of the gangs was a Latino offshot of the Bloods. This offshot called themselves the DA7, and they wasted no time in establishing a violent reputation. Members carried out drive-by attacks in rival neighborhoods, distributed drugs, and threatened informats with death. The main leader of the DA7 was a young man of the name Francisco Pancho Martinez Jr., an ex-convict with a criminal record for drug abuse and assaulting numerous women. Other members of the gang included Danny Bang Martinez, no relation, Sam Zigzag Quantana, and Frank Little Bang Bigel. I'm going to be pronouncing some of these names wrong because they are like Latina last names, so yeah. Just keep that in mind. I'm not probably pronouncing these right. So keep that in mind. If you want to look up the real names, I'm sure they have some online. The A7 members identified themselves by wearing the color red and considered it to be a great insult for non-members to wear the color. The patrolled streets like South Federal Boulevard on the outlook for non-members wearing the color. On the night of May 30th, 1997, they noticed a young girl walk in alone down the street wearing a red Chicago Bulls jersey and the like sharks drawn to blood. The men pulled up alongside the unsuspecting girl. Sorry. On May 30th, Brandy Duvall had spent the afternoon with two of her friends smoking marijuana and drinking a six-pack of beer. Although it was dark out, she decided to walk home to her grandmother's house. As Brandy walked home, the members of the DA7 pulled up alongside her and exchanged words with her. No one knew why, but for some reason, one reason or another, Brandy got into the car with the men who took her to third. 165 West Hawthorne Place in Denver, Colorado. So Brandy thought maybe she was going to get a car ride home. Nobody really knows what the um, deal was, but she got in the car for some reason. Then, yeah, this was probably the last time her family would ever see her live. Once the gang got back to the house, gang member Sammy dragged Brandy to the back bedroom and drugged her with her own cocaine. So basically Sammy brought her back into the back bedroom 
and drugged Brandy with the cocaine she had on hand. Francisco then entered the bedroom, undressed Brandy, and with the DA7 member, David Warren, sexually assaulted her with the beer bottle. Then Francisco and Danny dragged Brandy into the bathroom, ignoring the girl's screams, sliced her anus open with a knife to have anal sexual assaulted her so yeah and after danny had anal sex with brandy francisco took a broom handle and rammed it into her rectum as danny martinez watched and laughed when brandy yelled and lost control of her bowels so she's screaming and then she soon after lost control of all her bowel movement and soiled her attacker's shoes. Francisco yelled, you, yeah, on my homeboy's shoes, you little bee, and kicked her in the chest as hard as he could. When Brandy mouthed off to her rapist, Francisco kicked her again, then this time in the head, yelling, shut up, you little bee, and then he took Brandy to the shower, rinsed her off, and proceeded to slam her down on the ground and assaulted her again. Throughout the night, the 14-year-old girl went through hours and hours of rape, torture at the hands of her captors. Jose Martinez, the owner of the house where Brandy was held, later commented that the gang was possessed by the effing devil that night. And Jose liked to play the part that he had no part in this whatsoever, but there's no really... um, report of him also um, like having any part in this because he did I think had grandchildren over or children of his own and he was laying in the bed with them as Brandy laid in the bathroom bleeding in an agony from her torture Francisco Martinez Danny Martinez and Frank Vigil I'm going to stop saying last names because like they're hard to say for me but we kind of get the gist of who everybody is now, debated over what to do with her. Francisco argued that if they let Brandy go, she would go to the police and they would be arrested. The gang asked Brandy if she knew where she was, and unfortunately, the young girl, Brandy, she didn't lie. And if she lied, maybe she'd still be alive today. She admitted she did. Furious, Francisco kicked her in the head and told his comrades, that's it, we're gonna have to waste her. And I'm sure everybody knows what he meant by, we're going to waste her. We, they plan on killing him. Or I mean her. They plan on killing Brandy. The gang made the decision to take Brandy into the mountains and murder her. Early in the morning on May 31st, 1997, Brandy was dragged from the house by Francisco, Danny, and Frank. And the DA7 member, Sammy, to the car. She begged for her torment her to take her to the hospital because she had all sorts of like cuts, bruises, and everything. She was just bruised badly and she was in really critical condition. But they refused and Frank punched the girl in her face as he forced her into the car. As they drove into the Colorado mountains, Brandy begged the attackers to spare her life, promising she would not tell the police. Francisco eventually got tired of Brandy's pleas and instead started stabbing her over and over 
and he kept on stabbing her in the chest, the stomach, the neck. But when Sam complained that he was getting blood all over the seats, Francisco instead began to strangle Brandley P. There's no reports on what he started strangling her with. It's just he strangled with it, her with something, and they believe it was a wire. But like I said, there's no report on what it was that he choked her out with. Finally, the men reached a turnoff point where they stopped the car. Francisco dragged Brandy from the car, and while Sammy held her head down and began to stab Brandy multiple times in the chest and the neck. Then the men took Brandy's brutalized body and hurled it into the rocky stream before they drove off. Despite having been stabbed over two dozen times, Brandy was not yet dead at this time. With her hands cuffed behind her back, she got up and tried multiple times to climb up the ledge to the road and only to fall back down again and again. Finally, she fell off last time and died from blood loss by the stream. Her body was found later by mourning by two horrified tourists. And get this, this is mountains that she was thrown off to. So, like, even if you had, like, the right equipment and, like, your hands are free and you weren't stabbed and bleeding out, this is going to still be tricky for you to get up out of. And she was trying to do this all while stabbed over two dozen times and handcuffs and she had to be like dizzy or something so uh, I can only I can't even imagine what she was going through at this time before her death Angela Metzger Brandy's mother heard on the news about a young girl's body being found in the mountains her daughter had been missing for over a day at this point and she drove to the morgue to identify the body between the glass partition in the morgue and she saw her daughter Brandy's body laying on the slab and she knew instantly it was her daughter and Angela was heard saying wake up baby she wailed as she pounded on the glass screaming wake up and she was sobbing so hard they reported the arrests this is where it gets crazy because some of the stuff these people say while in court, just, I don't even know. It's bad. Back at the home of Hawthorne Street, the DA7 members did their best to clean up the house. Francisco removed the bloodstained mattress where Brandy had been tortured and raped for hours. However, Jose Martinez kept the one of Brandy's personal mementos and a prayer card with her name on it. Eventually. Jose contacted the police and told them about the horror that had taken in the place of his house on the night of May 30th, 1997. And like, by the looks of it, they're not all related, get this, but they they have like the same cut besides one of them has longer hair, but oh my gosh, I can't even imagine how bad it was going for her and what she had went through it oh my gosh as a mother wait no I'm not a mother but I can only feel how Angela felt as a mother going through this to wake up with her daughter there then at the night having to identify her daughter just it's it's bad 
Francisco, Daniel, and Sammy, and Frank were arrested and charged with capital murder, kidnapping, and rape, and torture. In addition, police arrested three other DA7 members who had taken part in the brutal kidnapping and murder. David and Maurice Warren and Jacob Casados. The DA7 gang had been busted and the police intended to keep them off the streets for good. The horrific murder hardened the state's attitude towards criminals. Just five months after Brandy Duvall was murdered, Colorado carried out its first execution in 30 years, putting convicted rapist and murder Gary Lee Davis to death by lethal injection. Prosecutors intended to see Brandy Duvall's killer suffer the same fate that she did. Okay, so these are some of the plea deals and Colorado's death penalty stuff. Just information you will need to know because it's super important. Because Jose Martinez had led police to Brandy's murders, he was exempt from prosecution and entered the witnesses protection program. Jacob Casados, or like I said, I'm going to be butchering these last names, but this is how it looks like it's pronounced, pleaded guilty to sexual assault in exchange for murder charges against him being dropped. He was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Both Maurice and David Warren also made plea deals with the government and received prison sentences ranging from 10 to 15 years. All three men have been released since then. So these are people are roaming around the, on the streets still, even though the government said they wanted to keep them on the streets for good. Apparently not. Uh, Sammy faced with the prospect of death penalty and facing additional charges for separate unrelated murders. So he's been murdering people. He's been out there just doing his own little thing and they found out it was him. Now he's getting charged with these. Agreed to testify against Francisco Martinez and Danny Martinez in exchange for a sentence of 96 years. I don't get at this point. Do you think you're going to be living for that 96 years? I don't know what Sammy is thinking of, but uh, like, even if he's getting sentenced to his life, like, 96 is basically his life. He's like, not like, doesn't I don't plan on him surviving this whole sentence, so I don't know. Sam now goes by the name Sonny Tafoya and is incarcerated in and out of state prison. Oh no, he's incarcerated in and out state prison. This only left Frank and Francisco Martinez and Danny Martinez, all three of whom pleaded not guilty to charges against them. Why plead not guilty? I mean, all the evidence is there, but I don't know. The crime was horrifying by any standard, but this case shocked even seasoned veterans of the Denver's homicide investigation. So even the Denver's homicide investigation is just absolutely shocked by this case on how these people could do this to a 14 year old girl anybody in general but they're just so shocked who had been who had seen their fair share of gang related murders at the time of the murders there was less than five people on colorado's death row but prosecutors intended to make sure that the murders of brandy duvall would face execution for their crime colorado had frequently had recently introduced a new method of sentencing defendants to death. Rather than have the punishment decided by a jury, a panel of three judges would 
vote on the appropriate penalty for the convicted criminals. Later on, it would be this policy, this method of sentencing that ended up denying justice for the killers of Brandeline Duvall. Frank, the youngest of the defendants, was convicted of capital murder in 1998 for his role in killing of Brandy Duvall. At the age of 16, Frank was too young to face execution in Colorado, so the court sentenced him to life without parole. He is currently incarcerated at the Arkansas Valley Correctional Facility in Ordway, Colorado. Francisco and Danny Martinez was faced up to was next up for trial and at this time they both faced the death penalty and in court the defendant like the victim's family was there having to be by this and like the gang members of DA7 like they would look over and like saying and screaming that be deserved that she had it coming for her and like just horrible stuff and like they even had to bring in like um danny i think danny's and them mom um yeah um danny martinez and samuel like they went by bang and zigzag sammy went by zigzag and danny went by bang like they had to bring in the mom for this but like they had to go through like she had to go through so much stuff like watching like some of the most gruesome like videos and um some of the most horrific like cases and everything just so she would not show true like she was like disgusted or start crying because then the government or like the judges would use that like see even your mom is disgusted by this here comes the judgment the trial of Francisco Martinez finally began in August of 1998. Francisco was arrogant, cocky, and rude during his trial. He showed no care or remorse for his actions. Throughout the trial, he mouthed the words F you to Brandy Duvall's grieving family as he smirked and laughed. Despite the lawyer's attempt to shift the blame to Danny Martinez, the jury was not swayed, and Francisco's repulsive behavior and complete lack of remorse told a different story than the one the defense was portraying. The jury took less than three hours to find Francisco Martinez guilty of murder. Francisco's fate was now in the hands of three judge panels. The panel noticed that even for a gang member, Francisco went above and beyond the scale of arbitrary and of them had seen. And it didn't take long for the three judges to react and reach a verdict. Francisco Martinez would have to die for his crime. On May 27, 1999, the panel anonymously voted to sentence Francisco Martinez to death by lethal injection for the murder of Brandy Duvall. In nearly 50 years of collective judicial experience, the pan this panel has never dealt with a more shocking display of conscienceless depravity that than of the defendant. 
the judgment wrote and it is the judgment sentence and warrant of the court that the defendant Francisco Martinez Jr. be delivered to the execution director of the Colorado Department of Corrections to suffer the penalty of death by lethal injection. The same day Danny Martinez narrowly avoided the death penalty by single by single vote. So he was almost getting the death penalty, but by a single vote, his life was spared. He was sentenced to life without parole for his role in the murder. Danny Martinez currently serving his life sentence out of state as a part of an interstate prisoner compact arranged by the Colorado Department of Corrections. Thousands of miles away in Arizona, a convicted murderer named Timothy Ring was sitting on death row for the murder of an armored car guard like the francisco like francisco martinez timothy ring had been sentenced to death by a judge panel not a jury while on death row timothy ring filed a lawsuit against the state of arizona essentially arguing that his death sentence was in violation of the sixth amendment right to fair trial ring argued in a sense that his trial should be decided by a jury not a judge the case went all the way to the Supreme Court. So his case went all the way up to the Supreme Court because he believed that that his like sentence violated the Sixth Amendment that he is entitled to. The case went all the way to the Supreme Court, which in a seven out of two decision held that it was in a violation of the Constitution for a judge without a jury to impose death sentence on a comic. So he basically got what he wanted and it is a violation of the constitution for a judge without a jury to impose a death sentence. So this is Ring versus Colorado. Well, Ring and Colorado. Back in Colorado, two death row inmates in the afternoon aftermath of the Ring ruling appeared their cases to the Colorado Supreme Court arguing that their death sentence should be overturned because like Ring, had been sentenced to death by a judge panel, not a jury. In February 2003, the Colorado court sided that with the appellants and overturned the death sentence of the two Colorado inmates who were sentenced to death by the judge panels. The two inmates were retroactively sentenced to life without parole. One of the inmates was George Wold. It's it's like spelled W-L-T-D, so I'm not going to try to pronounce it again. A convicted rapist and murderer condemned to death in 1997. The other inmate was none other than Francisco Martinez Jr. For Angela Metzger, Brandy Duvall's grieving mother, the communication of Francisco's death sentence brought another wave of devastation to her family so she's just trying to grieve and just go on with her life and she's getting dragged into this somehow again they let me down they let brandy down the mother wept to a news reporter who interviewed her after the commutations it makes it like was it makes it like it was a waste of time she said it makes it like he got away with it 
Angela Metzger was determined not to let Brandy's name fade into the obscure case mentioned in the law textbooks. She wanted people to remember Brandy as a real person. After Brandy's death, Angela Metzger spoke about her daughter as much as she could. Later, she commented that the only good thing she felt about testifying at the murder trial was they that she could talk about the daughter's life before it was cut by the actions of the group of deranged murderers and thugs. Angela Metzger, whose life had been torn apart by the grief and depression since her daughter's death, that died five years from um, Metzger. Angela Metzger, basically, so after the death, she died five years later from cancer, aged 51. So she's up there in age, but she's like not too old. She's like, she's only 51, guys, and she's dying just as just five years later than her daughter did so they're being they've got to be reunited however francisco martinez now 43 is still very much alive serving his life sentence at the colorado territorial correction facility and although he will never be released he successfully avoided the punishment as he very much deserved of death and this is the injustice. Since her murder, Brandy Duvall's name has faded into obscurity, but in the courts, her murderers are very much alive with Francisco Martinez, Samuel Quintana, and Frank Vigil as continuing to file appeals of their sentences or complaints about the, their prison conditions. Their appeal costs the taxpayers millions of dollars, and yet the crime they committed has almost been completely forgotten. Virtually no one remembers the ruthless brutality and the lack of mercy these killers showed when they com- committed their awful crime at that night. No segment of 60 Minutes, no special report from CNN, NBC, or ABC, or any other mainstream network has been ever talked about the case. Indeed, it appears that one of the most horrific, brutal, disturbing, barbaric murder cases in history of America had been simply forgotten about. Now, it's not unusual for a murder case to fade into the public limelight, but what I found particularly disturbing in the way I've learned about this case, I did not learn from a television program. I did not learn about it from an episode of Criminal Minds. In fact, I first heard it about the crime while I was just listening on a podcast and I'll be crediting all the podcasts and websites that I did find these from at the bottom, well not at the bottom, I'll tag them in the um, bio and I will say it at the end. So yeah, that is the case of Brandy Duvall and we need to just talk about it more. We need to just listen to your podcast be educated on this um case not just this case but many other cases because brandy duvall went through this and so has many other little children and even adults have been through this and we just need to talk about it more because they did not deserve this and we can't have cases falling into the dark and yeah Um, I did get 
most of my info from Suzuki's thoughts. I did get it from Rotten Mango. And I'm not just like stealing their stuff. I'm that's what educated me more on this topic. I have did do my research on just like some of the police files and just other stuff and yeah. See you next Thursday on another episode of Crime Time with Tyler. Goodbye.